Welcome Riverside, my name is Sizwe and I'm one of the interns here at Riverside and I'm so excited to welcome you to Church Online. Thank you for joining us. Can you believe it? We are almost into March and this year is flying by. I really hope it is turning out into all that you have hoped it would be. Here's some very interesting stats for you because I found the study so interesting. It says that by now, 80% of us who embarked on some New Year's resolutions have stopped them. In fact, the study shows that 94% of all people who want to make some changes at the start of the year don't last the first month. Oh, Craig, thanks for uh, reminding me about something that I, I know to be true in my own life. Thanks for the depressing stats right at the start. Well, here's some other interesting stats. A similar study showed that of people who are wanting to start new ventures in their lives, business ventures, social projects, wanting to embark on something, that 80% don't last the first 18 months. Now, of that 20% left, 70% of them don't even make it to year five in their venture. Craig, you are really hitting us with some heavy, depressing stats. See, we have this thing about us as people that when things get hard, we often don't make it through. And we are in a season of hard right now. We're almost a year into this new normal of lockdown and and not being able to do life and faith and church and community and, and ministry and work like we want to. And so we're trying to rebuild what our lives look like, what faith looks like in this season. See, we are still called to participate fully. In everything that God has for us and intends for us. No matter what happens in the world, the church will always be the church. Jesus will still be the head and we will still be his body, all called to engage fully in kingdom life. And so as we've been looking at this, we have been trying to figure out how to get back and engage in all that God has called us to. But how do I handle it when things are hard? So why don't you turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 4. And we're going to pick up the story there. So far, this has just been the most incredible story. Here is this man, Nehemiah, cupbearer to the king. He is an Israelite. He hears about what has been going on with the wall and the state of Jerusalem. And so God births in him the vision and the mission to rebuild Jerusalem and make it safe for everyone there. He approaches the king. He gets favor from the king. He gets all the resources he needs. He gets a guard to come down with him to Jerusalem. They get everything ready. They start the project. They rally the people. It's this unbelievable undertaking. And it's just like everything from this point is going absolutely perfectly well and here is why we need to learn from stories like Nehemiah 
Because there's a cycle that sometimes exists in us. God places a vision in us. He births a desire. We see a need. We want to engage in ministry. We want to make positive changes to our families. We want to lead our kids more in a godly way. We want to up what faith looks like in our home. But then things get hard. We face some opposition of some kind. We want to live out our faith at work. We want to try and engage with our neighbors. We want to do things for the Lord. But sometimes we don't know what to do when there are challenges, obstacles, hardships, or oppositions to this. That can get quite complicated. And so where we're at in the story of Nehemiah is this like golden run of everything just being absolutely perfect gets met with its first bit of opposition. And so we're going to dive into that. But, but as we are, are thinking about this, we need to understand that this is something that is going to be a reality for us. When Jesus is with his disciples, he warns them. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. One of the things that doesn't happen when we come to faith in Jesus Christ is that it's like a little magic wand and bippity boppity boo, everything in our life is perfect. Coming to faith and surrendering our lives to Jesus does not mean that the storm's clear and everything in our life from this point on is pure, plain, perfect sailing. The fact is, in this world, we will have trouble. Jesus warns us and encourages us with that. We see the temptations that Jesus faced in his ministry and how the enemy comes for uh, multiple times to tempt him and distract him from his mission. We get told in Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the enemy's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, take note, not if, but when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. In First Peter verse 8, we are warned, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We see over and over that when it comes to the New Testament, believers are encouraged to take heart and to stand firm because opposition comes. We are going to find ourselves facing trouble and hardships. In the case of many of these, it was physical persecution where they were being killed and martyred for their faith. This is something that is still happening in many countries around the world where this kind of opposition is a daily reality for followers of Jesus. When Jesus is praying in the garden the night before his arrest and crucifixion, he prays, Father, the time has come. Something that we are going to eventually, if it hasn't happened yet, 
as we are walking in faith and in step with the Lord, as we are stepping out in ministry and living out all that God has called us to as individuals and as a church, we are going to face opposition. And we're going to see now Nehemiah's opposition comes. And we're going to learn from the principles from Nehemiah, how he uh, faces and deals with and approaches this opposition so that we can be better equipped to navigate it when it comes in our own lives. So, Nehemiah chapter 4, and the persecution goes through chapter 4 and again in chapter 6. He faces massive amounts of persecution at this point in his story and journey. We can't read through those two chapters together for the sake of time. I'm going to condense it for us, but I want to encourage you. Go and read the whole of Nehemiah, especially if you've listened to this message. Read chapters 4 and chapter 6 to get a better understanding of the opposition. But here's what, ha- what is happening. Nehemiah and his delegation arrives. The materials arrive. He rallies the people, the families. They start to build the wall. Now in the area, there are two gentlemen. Their names are Tobiah and Sanballat. And these two gentlemen, if you want to think about uh, a movie and you think about the bad guys, these are the chief antagonists to this particular part of the story. Nehemiah's enemies in this. If, If there was a movie, they're the bad guys. They're the ones trying to derail the good guy Nehemiah. And so uh, they get together, Tobias, Sanballat, and a few other guys. And first, they kind of think this is funny. Because remember, the walls stood broken for 140 years. But then when they understand that this project is actually going to get going, they decide that they are going to come and attack and try and scare them off. And so they bring threats of violence to Nehemiah and the families trying to rebuild the wall. But now as the opposition comes, and there's going to be waves of increasing escalation of opposition to Nehemiah and the project, we see these four things at play in Nehemiah. And they're going to be quite important for us and for you. So as we go through this, here's the four things that we're going to need to be aware of in the life of Nehemiah as he faces opposition. Those four things are prayer, work, vigilance, and focus on the Lord. Those four things are going to be so evident in these chapters as he deals with these two men and the threats and opposition that they bring. So, in chapter 4 and verse 4, we see this. The opposition comes, they threaten to attack. And the very first thing uh, they do is they pray. The opposition has come, the threat has come. And so this is what it says. uh, They're praying, hear us, O our God, for uh, we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. For they have thrown insults into the face of the builders. I love this. Because again, attack comes, opposition comes. And the first thing that people do is pray. We are not going to be able to handle opposition well in our own lives. If we do not root ourselves in this principle. 
I know this has come up a number of times in this series, and we cannot stress enough just how much prayer and scripture are part of our defense against any opposition that comes our way when it comes to living out all that God has called us to as individuals and as a church. Again, go back to Jesus and his temptations that he faced. He prays and he uses scripture. The first sign of opposition, the first threat to the project, the people and Nehemiah pray. They call out to God. If you are facing opposition to anything that you are doing, again, I encourage you to take this principle so seriously. I love the fact that he is a leader of God's people and he prays as much as what he does. He seeks the Lord constantly. He's asking the Lord for his hand to be on his life constantly. And so here's the first major challenge for us. If we are facing opposition, if you are currently going through some hard things in your life, you're not where you want to be. You can't seem to get your family serving like you want them to. You're struggling to engage in church and life and faith and community, work, finances, health, whatever it could be, your relationships. Pray. Ask for the gracious hand of the Lord to be upon you. Bring the struggles to the Lord. They are They are very specific about bringing the opposition that they are facing to the Lord. They are seeking His intervention against the opposition that they are facing. Pray. That is principle number one. If you are dealing with opposition, if there are some hardships in your life, if you are struggling with anything, bring it to our loving, gracious Father. We know that he hears us. Nehemiah prays. And immediately after they have prayed, they engage in principle number two. They work. Look what it says in verse six. There are threats of violence and attack, but they go. Here's what it says. So we rebuilt the wall till it reached half its height for the people worked with all their heart. There is opposition. It's a physical threat to their lives. And we are told in the story that they worked with all of their heart. If you want to deal with opposition, hardship, struggles, we might feel um, the desire to give up. We're going to feel that this is too hard, so we stop doing it. And that might be a pattern that has existed in your life. It is certainly been a pattern in my life if I evaluate how many times I embarked on something and didn't see it through. But what they did was they put all their heart into what God had called them to. And if you're finding that things are not going like you want them to, principle number two, after you've prayed and brought this to the Lord, is to work at it with all of your heart, to give all the glory uh, to the Lord, to see that His will is done, that He gets glorified, that His kingdom is built. You see, for them, they added a very specific game plan to their situation. Eventually, they actually had to work with a tool in one hand and with a sword or a weapon in the other hand. They had to take turns where people would build and other people 
uh, would, would be standing guard with weapons. In fact, it says some people didn't even change their clothes because they needed to be working and ready to deal with the opposition at all times. And so we, we can't take the, the literal appl- application um, to ourselves, but we can take the application of they just worked with all their heart. They put everything into the work that God had called them to instead of retreating, instead of taking a back step, instead of giving up on the wall because they knew what was at stake. They worked harder with all of their hearts. And at this point, they got the wall up halfway, a huge achievement in their life. And so here's encouragement number two. If God has called you to something, if he has positioned you for something for the kingdom, that you've got an opportunity to make him known, to do work that's going to grow and build the kingdom. When the opposition comes and after you have prayed, Find ways to put even more of your heart into it. Read books about it. Uh, Find people to encourage you. But just get yourself more involved into the job. Because quitting gets nothing done. If Nehemiah had bailed at this point, the job wouldn't have been done. And we don't know what would have happened as a result of that. But they got involved with all of their hearts. Number three is to be vigilant. Uh, our main bad guy, um, Sanballat and Tobiah, they increase in their opposition and, and, and change tactics. And we see this starting to happen in chapter six. Nehemiah is building the wall. Things are getting better. It's getting higher. So they send him a letter. And they say to him, why don't you come and meet with us in a village on the plain of Ono? You know, we can hang out a bit. But because, principle number three, he is vigilant. He's aware that opposition is going to increase and come. He says this in, in chapter six. He says, why should I come down? For I'm doing a great work. And I love this. Why should I come down? For I am doing a great work. Now this particular passage has some uh, real uh, encouragement for me. Because uh, several years ago, going back almost about 12 years, um, I was young in ministry, a different church, different uh, season of my life. And I started to face some real opposition from some leaders in that particular church. It got so bad that there were outside conflict mediators and industrial psychologists who were brought in to try and help navigate us as a church through the accusations and conflict that was brought against me. It was a very, very hard season in my life. Probably one of the most painful seasons I've ever endured. A lot was said about me. It was really difficult. I can't obviously go into all all the details of the story. But an older pastor came to me with this chapter 6 of Nehemiah. 
And he said this to me, he said, Craig, if you are doing a great work, don't come down from it. See, Sambalat was trying to distract Nehemiah, try to get him off the wall, away from insecurity. A lot could have happened. And they were probably plotting to kill him while he was there. But the principle of, of, of this, it, that it really encouraged me, and I saw these principles being played out in my own life of praying, working, vigilance. But Nehemiah stays the course. And the encouragement to me was, Craig, work and stay the course of what you feel that God has called you to. And over time, you're going to see the vindication of the Lord in your life. As hard as that was, because I wanted to fight, I wanted to get lawyers involved. I really wanted to defend myself and my honor and my character. Instead, I, I decided to trust Scripture. I tried to, decided to trust in these principles with Nehemiah. And so what I did was I stayed my course. I allowed the process to carry on. I just started to keep much more quiet and rather go, God, I'm trusting you. I know opposition has come. I'm vigilant to everything that's happening, but I'm not going to let it detract me from what I feel you have called me to. And in my story, what happened was the Lord did intervene in an incredible way. I was completely vindicated through the entire process. My ministry was built. Things became incredible through that process. And all those people that were trying to oppose me eventually left and had to leave. And their character was exposed. And the Lord defended me as I trusted Him with what He had called me to. It was a hard time of my life, a very confusing time navigating all of this opposition, but these principles are true and I've seen them worked out in my own life. As I trusted the Lord, as I prayed, as I worked, as I was vigilant, I stayed the course. All right, so here's, here's this incredible quote from Andy Stanley, who's written a book on Nehemiah. He says, pursuing a vision requires faith. Pursuing a great vision requires great faith. Pursuing a vision will test, stretch, and at times exhaust your faith. And while you are pulling your hair out down here, God revels in the glory he receives. And so this is what leads to point number four, focus on the Lord. So those four principles again, let's remind ourselves, we pray, we work, we are vigilant, and we focus on the Lord. I'm so drawn all the time to Jesus' final moments in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he knows his time is near and he knows everything that's going to be coming his way, he focuses on the Lord. He says, God, the time has come. And and his prayer is ultimately, God, Father, help me to do this so well that you get all the glory. He focuses on the Lord. What is this prayer all about? God, not my will. Father, not my will, but your will be done. And everything throughout this whole time, Nehemiah keeps focusing on the Lord, giving glory to the Lord, praying again, God, strengthen our hands, strengthen our hearts. While Nehemiah is up on the wall, four letters come from Sanballat. And they 
They're all encouraging him to do the same thing. Each time Nehemiah responds, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. I can't come down. Eventually, he writes a letter saying, I'm going to write to the king. I'm going to say all of these things about you. And it's like the slanderous stuff that he's planning to make himself king and, and um, ready the Jews to uh, cause all this trouble to the point where he even gets someone into Jerusalem to try and get to Nehemiah personally. But the whole time, Nehemiah focuses on the Lord. I love this. He is so convinced of what God has called him to, that he keeps his eyes focused there. There's all this noise, all this stuff. He's praying. He's uh, working. He's vigilant. There's guards. They're posting people to to keep an eye on, on what's happening. But the primary thing he does is keep focusing on who God is, who God says he is, and what God had called him to do. As a result, they complete the war and they celebrate. And the opposition, the attacks did not succeed because of the things that Nehemiah did. He focused on the Lord. He was vigilant. They worked with all their hearts and they prayed One of my favorite passages of scripture is Hebrews chapter 12. And in verse 3, we are given this incredible encouragement. And it says this, consider him talking about Jesus. Consider Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I love this encouragement and I want to take us there because again, we are equipped with so many things. And as we focus on God, I want us to particularly do what this verse encourages us to do. Let us consider Jesus. It says, who, who endured such opposition so that we would not grow weary and lose heart. Let's consider the opposition of Jesus that he faced. Remember, Jesus... Uh, And the night before he was betrayed in the garden, he's praying to the point that he sweats blood. He's wrestling with what he knows he's going to have to physically endure. He's done praying. He's arrested wrongfully at night in the dark. He has an illegal trial. He is beaten beyond recognition. He has to carry his cross. He gets publicly and shamefully executed next to some common criminals. He's humiliated and after his death, he still has a spear shoved into his side all the time while he is bearing our sins. The weight of that as he's making it right between us and the father and the entire time he endures it. Jesus, knowing what he was going to face, knowing what was going to happen to him, the fullness of it that only he could really grasp. He endured the cross. And on top of that, he was victorious over it. And when he walked out of the tomb three days later, there lay defeated our greatest enemies of sin, shame, and death. Now, while we consider that, it's because when I come to faith in Jesus and I surrender to his completed, finished work on the cross, I move from being an enemy to a son. I'm adopted. God is my father. Father, I am a co-heir with Jesus Christ. I'm part of the church, the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. Now, when opposition comes my way, I look at Jesus. 
And when I consider everything that he endured and what he overcame, I do not get weary and I do not lose heart because nothing in this life can change that fact. See, opposition may come my way. Spiritual attack may come my way. The enemy may come and try and attack me and oppose me and oppress me. And I might find that I'm in a terribly tough season in my life. But nothing can take away the finished, completed work of Jesus on the cross. Nothing can take away from what he has secured for me by his work. And my faith is I trust him. I know that no one can snatch out of his hand those that belong to him. And so that is my position. And that was secured by what Jesus endured. And because that's where I start my ministry, that's where I start my Christian life. It's in the victory of Jesus. The cross is behind me and the return, the victorious return of Jesus Christ is ahead of me. I don't get weary. I don't lose hearts. It's hard, yes. Painful, yes. Confusing, yes. But I don't lose hearts. Because Jesus overcame the world. Jesus overcame sin. He overcame death. He overcame shame. So I consider him. I look to him. And I don't get weary. And I don't lose heart. I want to kind of wrap up this time together by one more quote out of Andy Stanley's book, Visioneering. And I love how this frames everything. It's a bit of a long quote, so just follow with me. He says, Success is remaining faithful to the process God has laid out for you. Certainly, there are significant and enjoyable mile markers along the way. But success is not the mile marker. Success is not the raise, the promotion, the recognition, the Christian home, or wonderful children. See, those are simply enjoyable mile markers along the way. Success is staying faithful to the process that contributed to those things becoming a reality. See, unfortunately, we often don't consider ourselves successful until we experience the rewards. As we think about opposition, final encouragement for us is this. What was the success of Nehemiah? Was it that he got the king's permission? Was it that he raised all the finances, that he got the materials, that he rallied the people, that he completed the wall, that he survived all the opposition? No, those are enjoyable markers along the way. The success of Nehemiah is his faith and his faithfulness to all that God had called him to. See, what we are called to is faithfulness and trusting all that God has called us to. And opposition, like success, is just one of the markers along the way. It will come. We will face trouble. We are going to have hard times. We are going to experience trouble in this world. Just as much we are going to experience enjoyable things in this world. But hardships is not a sign of failure. Opposition is not a sign that God isn't involved in our lives anymore. Consider Jesus. Look what was part of his life and his ministry. Look at Nehemiah. God had called him to this and there was opposition. It wasn't meaning that there was failure. It wasn't meaning that he was doing a bad job. That God had abandoned it. So I want to encourage you. I don't know where you're at in your life right now. I don't know the full extent of what hardships you are facing. 
I don't know the level of opposition you are having to deal with in your walk. But I want to encourage you with this. We see in Nehemiah that he prays, that he then puts uh, himself to work with all of his heart. He is watchful. He's vigilant to everything that is going on around him. He focuses on the Lord. And scripture encourages us to do that. It says, consider Jesus. And I want you to do that today. Spend time considering just what it means to have your position so secure in the Lord. And then to reframe what success looks like. It's just a mile marker that what we're called to do is to faithfully walk and to faithfully serve and do all that God has called us to. I'm going to pray for us. God, I am so thankful for how you love us and how you have made it right for us to be in relationship with you because of all that Jesus endured on our behalf for us, for you, for your glory. I want to pray for anybody that is struggling with opposition. God, I pray that you would strengthen their hands and their hearts, that they would know your gracious hand upon them. Help them to be faithful into everything that you have called them to, so they can endure and they can walk through the opposition that they are currently facing. In your holy name, amen. Well, thank you for joining us for Church Online. We are nearing the end of our Nehemiah series. So if you need to catch up, our videos are on YouTube. Please join us again next time. Hello, Riverside family. Good to have you with us. And we're doing something new and different. We want to introduce our Riverside 2021 interns to you. What is our internship, Jody? So it's a year-long program here at Riverside called 318, based on the verse in 2 Corinthians 3.18, uh, which speaks about growing into the image of God and becoming more like Him. And really our heart and our goal is just to develop young leaders in the faith and also just in leadership and um, in their growth and involvement in, in our community. So we're on our way to pick them up, to introduce them to you. What they don't know is we've got a great surprise for them at the end of the trip because we have found out that they've passed their matric. We got the results today, so we just want to surprise them with something great at the end. And they've both done really, really well. So let's go get them. Also, just to say that we are fully respecting all COVID rules and regulations, so there'll be moments where we will have our masks on, um, but do enjoy the ride with us. So we're arriving to collect our first intern, and her name is? Talisa Pillay. Talisa's been part of our church with her family for a while, and I'm super excited for you to meet her. Hi, Talisa. Hi. How are you? I'm good, and you? Cool. Okay, Talisa, tell us who you are, about your family, maybe take your mask off just for a second. Introduce yourself to the church. Hi, so my name is Talisa, um, son of Pillay. I don't have a middle name, unfortunately. I'm kind of jealous about it. My brother got a middle name, but I didn't. So I'm sorry. 
sorry. Oh, it's okay. I'll take it up with my parents later. Um, but I have a younger brother and an older sister, so I am the middle child, which is very interesting. Um, but yeah, we're a very close, tight-knit family, a very supportive family. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited to be doing this video. So, how did you manage the trip last year? That was a crazy year, right? <sighs> yeah. Um, honestly, in the beginning, it was very tough. It was a lot of um, havoc and panic and it was frantic and everything like that. Uh, but, you know, God knows the end from the beginning and that's always been my thing from the beginning of when I started the trip. And so I was like, you know what, this is it. We just, either way, we're going to get through this year. And thankfully, my school was also very supportive. And, um, they were like, no, you're going to get through this year. So for me, I really was, it was just about trusting God and trying to do the best that I can. Um, and yeah, it was really only in trusting God that I got through my trick. And yeah, it was, it went good. It went really good. Good, well done. So you got a crazy year ahead of you. What are you, what are you expecting from this year? And... Uh, how did God call you to this? What I'm expecting is really just to see God in a different way and in a different perspective within my own personal life and just in the life of others. And um, I'm expecting a lot of growth within myself and a lot of good challenging myself, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, and actually God called me to this from a very young age. From the time I was in primary school, I knew that I wanted to do a gap year. Um, and do missions work like I was never stressed about going to varsity I just always knew I wanted to serve and um, have a year between God and I before I went into like a job and decided what I'm doing for the rest of my life Can you recall a time where you can really tell us about where God came through for you? I think if I really had to say it would probably be oh, my whole my whole school career if I'm being honest because my sister is um, differently abled she has autism and cerebral palsy and when I was younger like primary school even the beginning of my high school like grade 8, 9 she was in hospital a lot and especially during it always happened to be in my exam seasons um, and so obviously you know exam seasons are stressful enough and then having my sister in hospital so some days I would even like go sit in the hospital and study and those are the moments where I was like you know God please just you know, I don't even care about these exams right now. Like, please just bring her out of this. Like, this is so unfair that, like, you know, I'm here writing exams and she has to be in a hospital bed and she'll never have the opportunity to even write an exam sure. or experience this. Yeah. So, we're about to pick up your partner in promises where you introduce him to the church and let's uh, see what he has to say for himself. How are you doing, buddy? Oh, fine, thanks. Safety first. <laughs> Riverside, this is Sizwe. He's a really, really cool guy. Maybe just take your mask off for a second so the church can see you, lean in. Tell us who you are. Uh, I'm Sizwe. Uh, Shalani. Yeah, I'm an intern here at Riverside for the year. Someone said you really look like Sia Colisi, eh? Oh, Let's see that head from the side Let's see it. Give us... Oh, now that you're saying it. You've been in a involved in a number of areas at Riverside for a while. Um, could you tell us maybe what one thing, if you're able to pick one, are you most passionate about when it comes to ministry? What area of ministry? Oh, definitely teenagers. Teenagers? Uh, yeah. I love... 
love, love teenagers, just their energy, their curiosity. Um, yeah, I also have this this deep desire to see teenagers on fire for Jesus, yeah. really desperate and hungry to know more of Jesus. I think that is definitely possible for something like this. Favorite scripture verse? Uh, I've quoted it already. <laughs> Romans 8. Ah. <laughs> uh, God uses all things for the good of those who love And the reason for that, the reason for my favorite scripture is it's so comforting. Um, just the idea that all things, and I was, I was really praying about God, like really, even when I'm stupid, <laughs> like he uses my stupidity. Um, and yeah, he's just all things. So again, learning to so critical of my mistakes because he's kidding. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Can you tell us a time where God really, really came through for you in a particular situation? Uh, yeah, great. Uh, end of grade 7 going into grade 8. Uh, there was a time when like, you couldn't really like make school fees at the school I was going to. Um, and uh, my mom was like, oh, I'm going to have to take you out. And I was really sad because I was loving the school, looking forward to finally going to Velocity, because you could only join it at like high school. Um, and I was like, wow, oh, I was very sad. And randomly, uh, this uh, friend, well, he's much older, he's a dad, but to call him a friend. Dads are cool though. Yeah. <laughs> Dads, are, Dads are amazing. Dads can be friends too. Uh, so he came out of nowhere and said, I'll oh, cover your first few months sure. of school fees. Um, needed like a tablet, like an iPad, wow. everything. And yeah, he covered us. Um, so God really provided in that sense. Maybe to both of you, what are your weeks going to look like? Jody's over there helped set up a schedule. Uh, tell us a bit about what your week is going to be. Sure. Where do I begin? Eh? Um, <laughs> well, we first have SATS, which is the South African Theological Seminary School. That's what it's Yes. <laughs> I was hoping I was getting that right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's basically, we have a lot of studies through that. We already have three courses. So, some theological studies. Yeah, theological studies. So, we already have course, three courses that we're doing for this term, which are really quite hectic, um, but enjoyable as well. So, that's part of it. That's run throughout the whole year. And then we have uh, schools ministry as well. We already are in, like, three schools where we just go and minister to the kids, discipleship, spend time with them, whether that's through games, um, discussions, just really getting to meet the kids where they are, the kids and the teens, um, and just seeing God grow in that space and use us um, to learn from them and they can learn from us. So that's one part of it. Am I missing anything? Uh, meetings. <laughs> <laughs> How can I forget the most important? Tuesday, Tuesday is a lot of meetings. <laughs> meeting. Because we like to be prepared. Yes. Yes. It's, it's awesome to see the team. Behind the scenes of it is amazing. I just feel every time you call me uncle, I feel really old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 they're cheeky, they're cheeky as well. Yeah, they're cheeky. So, also just being involved in our next gen spaces, life house, um, philosophy, young adults, life groups, and that sort of thing. I think that's going to keep you busy as well. Oh, definitely, and Johnny. So, that's well. very, very cool. Uh, <laughs> she just asked, is it food? Is it food? <laughs> well. <laughs> so earlier I mentioned being a dad is really cool. What you guys don't know is right at the back, this cool dad got his kids to lie down with no one knowing. Where are you boys?
awesome to hear from you guys and just wanted to say to you that we are so excited about what God is going to do in your life this year and through you this year and so thank you for choosing to trust us and to be part of our family here at Riverside. You've already blessed me and my family and I know for the rest of the staff as well it's been absolutely awesome getting to know you and having you part of the team. So thank you for joining us and we look forward to what 2021 holds for both of you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Alright guys, so I told you that the end of this destination is a surprise for you guys. Mm -hmm. So brace yourselves, man. Oh. <laughs> it's been a long journey, isn't it? <laughs> Alright. Guys, we are super proud of you. And your, your mama sent you a little something something to say well done. So let's jump out the car. Congratulations and well done on making Thank it through you. a very tough year last year and we're so excited that you are joining with us in this internship and we wish you all of God's best. May God bless you and keep you, and may it be an awesome year for you both. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Riverside, Sizwe, and Salisa.